that we would receive the words that are spoken as they are in truth, the word of God and not the word of men. That that word might effectively work in us. I stand against every strategy of the enemy to distract. Familiarity will have no place in the hearing. But we'll hear that which you desire for us to hear. We'll say what you desire for us to say. And because of that word will be planted. And it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. In the lives of every individual. Equipping them to minister Life, health, strength, deliverance, fullness of salvation to others around them. So we thank you for everything that will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. What a great day uh, to be alive. Welcome. It's good to be with you. I believe that God has uh, some great things in store for us. He's always building line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, we could go back a number of years and begin to see what God has done, what he is doing. We celebrated, you know, last week we were with um, Pastor Craig and Sharon, uh, Marshall and Cindy in Salt Lake City celebrating 30 years of New Creation Church of Salt Lake. What a, what a wonderful time to look and see not only what God has done, what he is doing, and knowing that because of that, if Jesus tarries, what he will do in that place. And, and that same uh, spirit of God rests upon us, upon his church. And so we're, we're not just trying to, to get something for today. God's doing something. We were, you know, as we were praying concerning that, uh, God began to speak to us in prayer times. You know, God's doing something right now in time for eternity. We get locked in time and space. We feel like, and it becomes, everything becomes temporal. Everything comes about now, but not with God. God's doing something in time for eternity. And so every moment that we grasp in time, you know, when people say wasting time, Time is not something you can get back, what God's going to do in time. You know, people will just say, well, I'll go to church next week. It'll be the same thing. No, it won't. God's speaking, even if there's a review, he's speaking in a moment of time to plant something for eternity. And so uh, it's just uh, uh, such a pleasure uh, so often to see what God has done. And I'm just so thankful for uh, Jonathan. He brought a great word. Amen. Aren't you thankful for uh, God putting teachers in the body? And Tony taught on Sunday night. I'm so happy and glad that she could do that. Let's just take one moment here and pray for our team in Peru. Amen. They're down there. Father, we just thank you right now as we begin this service to acknowledge uh, the team that's in Peru. Father, we sent them out. I thank you right now. Uh, I thank you that angels guard round about them. I thank you, Father, that their encounters as they go out and minister, as they're working there in the church, will be Holy Spirit encounters. Thank you that ministry will go forth from them, but there will also be a mutual building up of faith. I thank you, Father, that they're being strengthened in their inner man. They're being, uh, there's a boldness being created in them, and there's a revelation of what you're doing in the world today. So we thank you for them. We thank you for the, their protection. We thank you for the anointing on their life. And we thank you, Father, for that which they're sharing and lives being changed because of their obedience to go. And so we give you glory ahead of time for the reports that will come back of lives being changed. We thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the first chapter. We're uh, uh, just beginning a new series of messages. I'm giving this <coughs> a whirl uh, on Sunday night so, so often. You know, I coach baseball for a number of years. I think it's the distance thing, but when I'm on the platform, there's a chance that I could blow my voice out, and I think it's just because you're farther away. And so, you know, the thing about coaching baseball, you have to yell at a center fielder. You can't say, Hey, could you throw the ball in? Um, so the farther the distance, the louder my voice, whether it's amplified or not. And so <clears throat> I got a little bit of a scratchy voice after first service. So we'll just see how this goes. I still might uh, raise my voice when I get excited. But praise the Lord. We're starting a, a, a new series, uh, begin to look at the times that we are in, that we're living in. Uh, have to do. I believe God's building something. We started out with prayer at the beginning of the year. We started, then we talked about building on a proper foundation. We talked about the church and uh, establishing that building on a firm foundation, building our life. But then when we come to a certain place, we have to understand that there's strategies of the enemy afoot. Not that there's a devil behind every doorpost, not that there's a, 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 you know, a situation, but we, uh, as we'll look at, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so certainly the enemy has a strategy. He doesn't want you to get close to God. He doesn't want you to accomplish the will of God. And he definitely doesn't want you to know that you have authority over him. And so there's avenues of authority, but when we really realize some tools that we can put in our toolbox, as it were, uh, concerning our authority, the word, the name, and the blood seem to stand out at a high place. And so when I was praying about this particular message, talking about authority, really looking at the church and, and, and situations that we've seen and we've had in recent times, and then also knowing what God has spoken to us about seeing healing and deliverance, the power of God being manifest, seeing people come in, just come in off the streets. Amen. Uh, uh, which, which, you know, I give you this testimony. We were gone last week, but uh, we, were, we have morning prayer. And uh, on last, uh, two Sunday nights ago, I was talking to a gentleman, and he said, you know, when I first came uh, uh, to New Creation Church, I came in uh, with family member, and I sat, and the presence of God was there. He said, I wasn't ready to really involve myself the way that I am right now, but he said, I used to drive by, and he said, I don't know if you know this, but when you drive by, the presence of God is out on the highway. I'm like, that was interesting. He said, I would drive by the presence of God. So, you know, we've been, I mean, I haven't really totally figured this out, but I had a vision one Sunday night. Uh, I, I was just, we were praying, and I saw people coming in in the church, and all of a sudden people would come in through the door that I didn't know, and, and, and they would start coming to the altar and laying their drug paraphernalia and, and just coming and repenting, and their lives being drastically changed in a moment. I'm like, where's that coming from? God, what are you doing? And he likes to sometimes give us a glimpse. You have a vision, and you're like, well, it doesn't seem like that's happening right now, but I'll hold fast to what you showed me. And so we've, I've said that before. I've prayed in that direction. Well, we finished prayer at, at, uh, at 9 o'clock. I think it was Monday morning. Well, I know it was Monday morning. We had a staff meeting. So finished prayer. I, I go out that door. Staff goes out this door. And uh, our staff member runs into a guy who was out on the highway, came in, was distressed, started to talk about things, and he just came in off the highway and said, my God, what do I need to do to get saved? Amen. They prayed. He received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior uh, that morning, came riding off the highway, just said, what do I, what do I have to do to be saved? Yeah. Now, we need to prepare ourselves for God moving on the hearts of people. And it would, would just think when, you know, the enemy attacks, wouldn't it be something, what do I need to be do, do to be saved? Well, I don't know. What do I need to do to be delivered? I don't know. But to be ready and say, I know exactly how to pray. 
I know exactly what to do with that. that that's hindering your life because I have authority. Well, what gives you authority? Well, the, the word of God, the name of Jesus, and I have authority by virtue of the blood shed for me. Amen? And so when we talk about that and, and we begin to crack this nut open, it's just really important. I believe that it's very important that we begin to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us in this area. Because as Pastor Tasha said, uh, you know, a months ago, she said, uh, you know, just by the Spirit of God, uh, at this time next year, this time next year, things will be different. Well, if you grabbed a hold of that, you could just go, well, we'll wait and see. Well, then it won't be so different for you. But if you grab that and said, okay, God, how is it going to be different for me? Then God is beginning to open up things for you. He's beginning to pull back some things that you might see more clearly what needs to be done, how you yield and walk with him so that it will be different than it's been before. And so talking about this authority, I was asking God some questions about that. Why doesn't it necessarily seem to be some things that I know are there? I know they're right there. Sometimes when I'm praying, it's like it's happening. It's just not yet manifest in, in, in the visible realm. And this just came up in my heart. My people have more faith in methods right now than they do in me. So for a number of years, you know, we've talked about, you know, the trans, uh, when a generation comes in, there's new things. And so, you know, they like some new things. And so we've told people, you know, it's not about the methods. People have different methods, but it's about the message. But you change message or methods to attract people, and you got to be careful that their faith isn't in the method. And so he said, many's faith is now in the method, not me. Well, so we have to build up. How do you have faith in him? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So well, that just doesn't sound right to me, Pastor. Well, sure. Look in Mark chapter 7, Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He said, you've gotten so interested in your traditions or your methods that it's made the word of God ineffective. Sometimes the methods, they seem good, they start good. But when your faith is in the method instead of the one who redeemed us, it can make the word of God ineffective. So we come back to the word of God being a key tool to our authority. Uh, then we begin to see we can immediately escape methods and really get into power over the enemy. How many of you want power over the enemy? Well, we're here to tell you that you have it. Many times you just don't know it. And the thing about it is, is having the word of God in our heart and in our mouth. That's what Paul said. This is the word of faith which we preach that, it, you know, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. He's actually quoting a scripture from Deuteronomy that when we look at the New Testament, we, we don't grasp as, as clearly. It says the word of God is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So in the New Testament, we think, well, I don't know. Well, he relates that to doing it towards getting saved and then carrying it on. So turn over with me to Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians, the first chapter, a prayer of Paul for the Ephesian church, but it should be a prayer for us. And I encourage you, you know, if you've prayed with us a little bit, some people don't necessarily like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I learned this and these prayers of Paul, I pray, I launch off of these prayers of Paul almost every time 
that we pray. Uh, sometimes, you know, the Lord's Prayer as an outline, but I'll launch off of these, and you can go just about anywhere. These are Spirit-inspired prayers. But I encourage you, because, you know, Mark Hankins will say this. He got it from Brother Hagin and others uh, that came that direction. That at one point in time, begin to pray these prayers just from our heart about wisdom and revelation. And then God begins to give you wisdom and revelation. Things begin to open up. You begin to read the word of God and revelation comes from it. When revelation comes, then faith, solid faith, comes from that revelation of the Word of God. But then not only revelation, but wisdom, which what, what is wisdom? Certainly it's a number of different uh, thoughts about knowledge and intellectual things, but when you get right down to it, it's not just all of that. It's how to apply that knowledge that you have, right? Where somebody will go, well, that, how, you had such wisdom in creating that or doing that. Well, where did that come from? Uh, uh, the, the Spirit of God told me how to apply that word. And so we pray that not only will we have revelation of the word, but that we'll have application of that word. And so as we pull into it, he starts telling the Ephesian church that, that he, God's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So you can read it and should, but I encourage you and, and I really exhort you right as we begin this, this message on these to get these prayers of Paul, this one right here, and begin to pray it for yourself. A number of times a day, God grant unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light, that I might know the hope of your calling for my life, that I might know the riches of the glory of your inheritance for me as a saint, that I might know the exceeding greatness of your power that you released towards me because I'm a believer. That same power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him at your own right hand, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. Amen. You put all things under his feet. You made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. And so I am a member of your church. That means I am in your body. That means, God, that I have authority in you, right? And so right there, we just, you know, we just read that, or I just quoted that. You can read that, Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 23. And so Paul prayed that prayer. Why? Well, the end of it, he's praying for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, but also in the power that raised Christ from the dead, right? So we know there's miracle working power, more power exerted than ever before. Every name that is named, every principality, every power, every ruler of the darkness of this age held on to Jesus, but God, the power of God, raised him from the dead. More power than was ever exerted in all of creation, in all history, was when God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, to know that exceeding great power would do something for you, wouldn't it? And when God raised Jesus from the dead, listen to me very closely, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he also raised his body. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he also raised his body. That would be you and I. We just talked about the church. And so those who are in his body were also raised when Christ was raised in the mind of God. So if he was raised and seated, then his body was also raised and seated. Seated where? Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but that which is to come. 
right? So we have authority in him. He's, he's praying that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the authority that we have. He goes on in, in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, and he and you he made alive. Say, I'm alive. alive. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Check and see your heart's beating. Some of you, I'm not sure. <laughs> you he made alive who are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So what's he saying? First of all, he prays and he says, listen, Jesus is raised above all principality, power, might, and dominion. He's put everything under his feet. He's in authority. He was raised. His body was raised. So Paul takes a pause and he says, you, I'm going to explain this, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And because of that, you were controlled and dominated by sin. You were moved and your life was directed by the course of this world system. And it's the same system that is now still working in the sons of disobedience, which, which just is a reference to anyone who's not born again, their offspring of Adam's sin, right? He's not talking about disobedient sons. He's talking about sons or offspring of Adam's disobedience. He said anyone who is an offspring of Adam's disobedience is held under sin. Sin has authority over the course of their life. But, but God, right? So he, he, he ends there. He, we see Jesus raised from the dead. He's the head over his body. He's seated in a place, and, and his body was raised with him. He's dead over all things to the church, which is his body. But now he explains so we understand it individually, right? You, right? He's talking to the church at Ephesus. So you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were controlled by that sin that was governed by the devil. He said it's working in everybody, and don't think you weren't once that way. We were all once that way. We were all under the authority of sin. Now, if we just ended there, that would make for a bad day. And some people live that way because they don't know the next verse. The devil's hoodwinked them. He goes on to say, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God. Whew, thank God for the good news. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Right? Even in this condition, God saw us and had a different plan. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Now listen, we look at that and go, whoo, I'm saved. And there's more. Thank God we're not just saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together. Somebody say together. Yes. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's he saying? Jesus was raised from the dead, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he's seated right at the right hand of God. And we're seated with him. So the right hand of God, anybody who knows that, the, uh, when there's, there's a king, the right hand is a place of authority. So God's bringing out that Jesus is seated in a, in a place of authority over all the strategies of the enemy. And we're seated with him. We have authority. Now listen, if you don't know that, the enemy will just keep telling you you don't have any. 
You're just subject to your old desires and your old nature and your own old thinking and your way of thought and your personality and all that. But when you all of a sudden realize, man, when he was right, when he died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. My past, my guilt, my shame, they were all buried with him. And when I raised, I raised with him. And I raised to a newness of life, but it didn't just end there. And I was seated with him, together with him in heavenly places. For what purpose that place of authority? Turn over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Now, stay with me. I know many of you know this, but I believe that if you are praying, God's going to unveil and pull back another layer for you. As I look at it and understand it, you know, whether it's my life or, or others that we've talked to, the enemy, people will just say, I mean, many times people just say, I've been under attack all week long. Well, now listen, then you need to understand your authority and put a stop to it. Smith Wigglesworth said this, his, his book, Ever Increasing Faith. He said he was with a, a woman there in England. Uh, they were at a bus stop. And uh, she came out of her house and her little dog came with her. And uh, they're standing at the bus stop. And the, the, the dog is um, nestling around her leg. And she's like, now go back home. Now go back home. And the dog just kept coming in and out. And, and, and come on, honey, now go back home. Go back, go back into the house and, like that. And then the bus came up and the dog's still there. And she goes, now get in the house. And that dog scampered in the house. Smith Wigglesworth said, now that's how Christians ought to be with the devil. <laughs> Taking their authority. Instead of like, devil, now leave me alone, leave me alone. I'm under attack all week. No, it's time to take authority. Now stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it to know our place of authority. Well, can I really do that? See right there, some people, can you really do that? That means we don't know our authority. So while we're doing that, because, I mean, if you think about it, there's no condemnation. But just think, have I been feeling wore down? Have I been feeling under the attack of the enemy? Have people been bothering me a lot? Have situations or sickness or, or, or pain in my body been dragging me down, keeping me distracted? I'm always thinking about what's happening in, in the government, what's happening with other people, what's happening with, with the next event that's coming up. I'm always distracted. Well, that's just the enemy exercising authority over the course of your day and where you're going. And it's time for the church to say, now get, stop it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on. I'm going to focus on God and his word and what he's called me to do. And I'm not going to be distracted and I don't have to be distracted. Some people say, well, you know, I can't help it. Yes, you can. And if we can get over that hump right now, boy, I'm just telling you. Life's going to change. Things will be different a year from now. Not just for you. You'll, you'll run the enemy off, but you'll know the authority that you have when you come in contact with somebody else and you're able to start ministering to them with a great confidence and instill faith on the inside of them that when we pray together in faith, the devil has to stop in his activity in your life. Come on. And we know what, once we learn, listen, this is where the tools of our authority mainly lie. We won't back down and we won't back off. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You highlight that, underline that. That's very important to us as we go through the armor of God and we look at that. Sometimes we get into thinking of ourselves, but be strong in the Lord. In the Lord, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything that we have proceeds from our place in Christ. 
our place in Christ, not outside. It's very simple. The devil will try to get you out of thinking about you and thinking about your comparison with other people, but in Christ. In Christ, we're all the same. Come on, in Christ, we're all the same. We may have different function. We may have different gifts. But in Christ, we're all the same. Takes away that comparison. That's why Paul said, when we start comparing ourselves by ourselves, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not articulate enough. Now listen, just start to focus that I'm in Christ. And then when we're strong in the Lord, man, there's an inner strength. There's something that starts to happen. There's a boldness that rises up from within. Because I'm in him and he's in me. Now, when, I'm, when I see myself separate, God out there in heaven somewhere, not answering my prayer, it seems so far off. Where is God when I need him? I mean, just that statement, I know emotionally we feel that way. Where was God when I needed him? Well, that just tells us right there, we, need, we have some growing to do. Where was God? Well, he's in you. It's in him that we live, in him that we move, and in him that we have our being. Well, if he was in there all the time, why didn't he do something? Well, that's why we need to know about authority. Because he's in there. He's given us power, but he's given us authority. Where was God when I needed that? God's saying, where were you? Needed to step up, and together, we were seated together. He's not doing it without you. You're not doing it without him. Right? See, sometimes it's so subtle. You're, we're just trying to do it by ourselves. Mostly when people just say, I'm so tired, I'm so busy. We just need to take a pause and stop and look at it. Say, why? Why am I tired and busy? Most of the time we'll find I'm just trying to do it myself. I'm trying to, figure, I'm trying to do it for God instead of with God. But when we do it with God, he renews our strength. We mount up as wings like eagles. We run and not grow weary. We walk and not faint. Even if young people around us are utterly falling because they can't do it themselves, God's renewing our strength. Come on. Some young people are doing some great things, but they're getting tired. Why? Because they're just doing it in their own strength. But with him, all things are possible. With him, we have strength. Praise the Lord. All right. Better keep moving. So it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Praise the Lord. Yes, I have. Actually. <laughs> Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. He goes on to talk about some other things. But the truth of God's word is the very first thing that he says we're going to stand against the devil. Take authority over the devil. Why? Because the devil's a liar and he's the father of it. Come on, so, so often we get to looking at the smoke and mirrors. We get to looking at the activity. We get to looking at a person. Oh, man, the devil's at work there. The devil. Well, uh, really, we just have to understand, listen, he has a strategy. He has a strategy. And if he's a liar and the father of it, and the power of darkness is ignorance and deception, right? That's what we call darkness. If you're ignorant to something, you're in the dark. If you believe a lie, you're still in the dark. But the truth brings light, brings light. So a major authority that we have over the enemy is the word of God. Amen? It's the word of God. 
All right? So, uh, first of all, let's just start off with this, understanding this. So many times we hear about authority and we get angry. We scream and yell at the devil. We feel like, you know, we've about exhausted ourselves commanding and binding and loosing and all that stuff. But we're, we're trying so hard. And so we have to first realize that the source of our authority is him. Or let me say it like this. The origin of our authority is him. Now, before you just go like, I know that, let's just dive into that. Who is him? The almighty God. The source of our, the origin of our authority and our power is the almighty God. The almighty God, which means nothing is mightier than him. We're encountering things that may be mightier than us, but they're not mightier than him. He's the omnipotent father, the all-powerful father, and he's our father. And so Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Where, where did he get that? He got that from the Father. All authority. And then he said, now you go therefore. Why? Because if the head has authority, the body has authority. He said, since I've had delegated authority, now I'm delegating authority to you. I'm delegating authority to you. Now listen to this. Luke, the 10th chapter starting in the 19th verse from the Passion Translation, it says, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. I love that. I'm just going to read that again just for my sake. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom, speaking of the devil. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Come on, now it says you have uh, to trample over his kingdom. What's he talking about? Well, we go back to Ephesians chapter uh, 1 or chapter 2 when it says when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he ruled over you in the kingdom of darkness. But he says, now I've given you all my authority to trample on the kingdom of darkness. Praise the Lord. He goes on to say this. Uh, uh, absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. As you walk in this authority. Not just know it, as you walk in it. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. So many times, just like the disciples, we get excited. Wow, even the devil was subject to me. This is great. This is cool. He says, this is awesome. I told you this would happen. I gave you this authority. I delegated it to you. But never forget the source of your authority. Your greatest joy is that Jesus saved you and redeemed you. The greatest source of your authority is the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That you died with him, you were buried with him, you were raised with him to a newness of life. Now you're seated with him. The moment it comes about your authority over them and you miss the source of that authority. 
you'll find yourself wanting when it comes to uh, wrestling against those fle- that, that uh, principalities and powers. But as long as you keep in mind, the source of my authority is the almighty God. And all authority that Jesus possessed through delegation is now mine and it belongs to me. So delegated authority, when we understand that, delegated authority is only as powerful as the force or the forces behind it. Delegated authority is only as powerful as the forces behind it. So now listen, you have the force of the almighty God. You have the force of his word, the power of the blood, and the name. There's a lot that's behind it. So you've heard this before, you know. I'm sure if you've heard on authority, but it's a great example. We can use it again. Policemen. So often we're challenged. I don't know if I have enough to be able to do that. Well, a policeman puts on a uniform, puts on the badge, can go out there after an event in the middle of the street, trucks and cars, much more powerful than he is, stand right in the middle of the road with a truck coming right at him and just raise his hand, blow a whistle, say, stop right there, stop a truck, many more times the size of him. Could, could just flatten him like that, destroy him just like that, yet he stands right in front of it and says, stop right there. And all, all the while, at the same time, another vehicle, so much faster and so much powerful, has so much torque, he just, with, with just a wave of his hand, gets one big truck stop and another car moving. How in the world can he do that? He's not even as powerful as they are. Because you realize that authority backed with power is much stronger than physical power. And he understands that. And so, you know, we have a great example today when you look at it. It's sad. We need to pray for law enforcement all over. But many times they're going out every single day and they're not sure exactly what force or power is backing them. And so they don't possess as much authority as they used to. When they went out every day and knew city hall, the district attorney, the laws of the land, they back me. They had the respect of even lawless people. But when you don't know whether or not you're backed, the forces backing you are powerful enough, what happens? Not only are you not sure of your authority, But those coming against you will take advantage of your lack of understanding or lack of knowledge whether you're backed or not. But thanks be unto God. We never have to be unsure of the authority that backs us as Christians. And so a policeman that goes out that knows knows exactly what he wants to do, knows his municipality, knows the mayor, the chief chief of police, the district attorneys there are law-abiding, that they have the rule of law, and they have the power to enforce the law that, that, that he enforces. They have the power to back it up. What does he do? Well, first of all, he goes to the academy. Well, why does he go to the academy? Because he needs to study the laws of that municipality. He needs to get into the book and find out exactly what those laws say people can and can't do, what he can and can't do in the authority that he has. So he has to study that. He has to know that, right? He can't come up and arrest somebody, you know, and say, well, you're coming. Well, why? Well, because I just don't like you. 
I don't like what you're doing to me. No, he can't. He can't do that. He has to know the law. Sometimes as Christians, we're just trying to command the devil. The devil says, why? Because I just don't like that. Well, he says, so what? That's my whole purpose is to get you agitated. Well, just stop it. Under what, uh, under what pretense? I don't like it. Well, he's not going to move just because you don't like it. But when you know God's word says, you take your hands off of me. You take your hands off of my kids. They belong to God. My life belongs to him. You take your hands off. Well, by what authority? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't think you want to mess with him. Right? So you have to know the law. Secondly, he has to know the person who delegates that to him, whoever gives him that authority, whether it's the mayor, the chief police, the district attorney, whoever, he has to know who gives him that authority before he does that. And then thirdly, he has to know the precedences of those, those laws that will back it. Thank God we have the word of God. We have the name of Jesus, the one who's delegated. And we have precedence, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Amen. And so as we look at that, we begin to really look and understand some things, and we're going to get into uh, just these a little bit, but, you know, the Word of God. Why is the Word of God important? Well, 119th Psalm says that your Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. So in other words, whatever God said, it's forever settled. If he said it, he'll do it. The name of Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us it's a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and earth and below the earth must bow. Every tongue confess that he's Lord to the glory of God. The blood of Jesus. We saw when we fellowship, we confess our sin. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If there's no stain of unrighteousness, the devil has nothing to pull on you about. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so when we look at it, turn over to Hebrews chapter 14. Hebrews chapter 14 real quick. Hebrews chapter 4, excuse me, not 14. Verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So as you get into the word, as you purpose to get into the word and meditate on the word, get ready for the word to expose some things. Many people don't get into the word because it just exposes stuff. Starts talking about some things that they don't want to do. How they don't want to, you know, do that. But also then they're saying, well, what am I going to do? Well, the Bible tells you what's, what you're going to do. Well, how am I going to? God, help me with this. Well, God says it's right there in, your, in, in the word. I don't know the number of times. Thank God for the word of God. Still, I still have much study to do of the word of God, getting into it. The, the more you get into it, the more you find out you don't know. There's revelation knowledge. But there's been so many times I've had situations of life. I've been praying, praying. You know, when we, we first started pastoring the church, you've heard this, we were in debt. I started praying and complaining. Thank God for the word. The Holy Spirit, the word and the spirit always agree. The word has power. And so I'm a little bit in distress I'm a little bit upset, praying. So the Spirit of God says, well, turn over to James chapter 1. He didn't say, let me tell you something. He said, turn over to the Word of God. So I looked at the Word of God. The Word of God gave me instruction. Rejoice. 
You're in a trial right now. That's why you're upset. Do you want to win over the trial or do you want to remain upset? Well, I'm asking him. I want to win over the trial. So it says rejoice. Rejoice. So I'm standing there. Nobody's around. I'm like, this feels a little dumb. But I just started rejoicing. Just started shouting and dancing and rejoicing. And the moment that I did, the moment I obeyed the word of God, it captured that anxiety. It captured that hopelessness of how are we going to do this and what are we going to do? And in that moment of obedience to the word, revelation came of exactly how that debt was going to be taken care of. But revelation to that didn't come until I exercised the word God had given me. Many times, got married. Didn't know anything about marriage much. You know, most of us think we do until we say, I do. And then you're like, dear God, I didn't know nothing. Uh, Thought I did. I thought I even knew her. We heard one minister say just the other day, it's not what you do know about them, it's what you didn't know about them that'll come and get you after you get married. But you know, I would just sometimes, really at the beginning, didn't have, uh, you know, I certainly Pastor Craig supported me, but didn't, didn't really know a lot. So, you know, we'd have an argument. And so I'd just have to, to get in my car, get with God. God would say, just turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. So I'm like, good, he's going to show me how she should be submitted. He never did take me there. He always had me skip over that part. He said, now you're, I want you to love your wife like I love you. I'm like, all right. But then he didn't just stop there. As I said, okay, God, I want to know. I want to learn. So he would just start going over in my heart. How do I love you? He would ask me those questions. So how do I love you when you get like this? You know, I wanted to say, come on, I don't really get like this. But you're you're talking to Jesus. He already knows how you are. Come on, he helped me so much with my marriage. Thank God for, for good counseling, good CDs, good curriculums. I love those. But you know, there was a time where it wasn't what somebody else said. I had to get into the word of God. And he revealed some things to me because you can have systems and processes what other people say and follow that. But at some point, the word of God has to become alive that God can instruct you. And when you know it's the word of God and the enemy comes against it, you stop and you say, wait a minute, God said And I'm not just saying something that was out here. I know God said, and it's right here. So there's things the Spirit of God's going to say that you have confidence. They line up that you'll say, well, God said, and it's not just chapter and verse. But there's going to be some times when you just need to say, God said. So you leave me alone, God said. Now, if you don't know that, because your Bible has six inches of dust on it, then you're in trouble because the devil will lie to you. But when you can say God said. So the word of God is powerful. It's alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. Not, it doesn't just hurt you. It exposes things. But it also teaches you and it guides you with the direction of the Holy Spirit. Gives you truth over the power of the enemy in every area of your life. 
This Bible addresses your life. It addresses your emotions. It addresses how you get right thinking. It addresses your marriage. It addresses how you raise your children. It addresses how you do business and prosper. It addresses relationships inside and outside of the body of Christ. Everything that you need to live godly is in this word. If the devil can keep you out of this word, he can guide your life wherever he so desires. But when you say, wait a minute, that's a lie. He'll say, how do you know it's a lie? Look at your circumstance. And you'll go, oh, yeah, I guess that's the truth, how I feel about it or my circumstance. Say, I don't care what my circumstance says. The truth says that you and this circumstance are a lie. And so I choose to believe God. Come on. He has no power over that. All right. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. says, my son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my saying. Right? So what does he say here? He says you have to make a value judgment. You have to make a value judgment about the word. In order to give it the proper attention and open up your ear to what it's saying, you and me have to give it a value judgment. Why? Because when you value something, you place value on it by what you give your time, your attention, and your resources to. So I'm going to give my time, my attention, my resources to the Word of God because I value it. He says then when you do that and you bind it and you bring it in, it will be life and it will be health to all your flesh. It'll go down into your heart, and he says you guard your heart because what goes down into your heart from the word of God and sits there is the very parameters and the very issues of your life. And in those parameters, the enemy will try to always get you outside, but I live within the parameters of the word of God. That's where I have authority in every course of life is within the parameters of God's word. When I go outside of that, I am powerless. In that, I am powerful. Outside, I have no authority. Inside, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. The spirit of God even works within the parameters of the word of God. For the spirit and the word agree. So powerful. So I want to read this in closing. Can you give me five minutes? I read this in Bible school. It was just so powerful when I read it again uh, uh, concerning the Word of God. One aspect of the Word of God is from Lily B. Yeoman. She was a, a, a medical doctor, <clears throat> gotten sick in her body, got addicted to drugs, trying to take care of all that, ended up in a very, very dark place thinking everything was hopeless uh, for her. And so she ended up being healed, supernaturally healed, ministered healing to people. But this is really how it started for her. And certainly we'll go into other things, but just to show you the impact of the Word of God. Before we get into that, just to tell you, if you're here today, you, you don't get into the Word of God much. Don't necessarily start at Genesis. Let me just give you a how-to. Go to the book of John. Read the book of John. And learn about Jesus. We're in the New Covenant. After the book of John, read Ephesians. Ephesians will tell you every spiritual blessing is in Christ Jesus, who you are in Christ, who you are in the church, and who the church is to Jesus. So you get a good start before you go to Genesis to start to see how it works. But the Bible's packed 
full of truth of who God is. Amen. So many times people want to start in Revelation. It's tough to understand without the, the concept of redemption, where we've come from, or they want to start in Genesis and fall asleep before the genealogies are over. So if you get into the book of John saying, I'm excited to learn about who Jesus was and what he did, you could stay with it. Then you say, man, if he did that for me, get into Ephesians and say, wow, this is cool. This is who I am, what he did for me, who I am in the church. It'll keep you a little bit excited before you get into Genesis. All right, so here's what she said. She says, do you ask, did you not pray? Again, uh, speaking of the years she went in darkness and not being healed. Did you not pray? She says, yes, I came to the place where I did nothing else. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Night after night, I walked up and down uh, our, our long drawing room, calling on God, sometimes almost literally tearing the hair out of my head. And you say, and you weren't healed after that? No, I wasn't healed because I didn't believe the simple statement of the Word of God. Sometimes it's more simple than you think. Rather, my healing could not be manifest because of my unbelief. Now, just pause here. A lot of people think they have faith, but faith begins where the will of God is known. You might think you have faith, but if you don't know God's Word promises it, you can't really have faith in God. So that's what she's referring to, because of my unbelief. I shut the door and prevented the power of God from operating unhindered in my body. And why did you not have faith? That's what a lot of people say. Simply because I did not have light enough to take it. It is a gift and must be appropriated. And moreover, God's method of bestowing it is through his word. Faith cometh, note, that it cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. I was getting very weak and spent hour after hour in bed, and God in his mercy kept me much alone so that he could talk to me. Praise God. Sometimes you just need to get alone with God and not around a lot of other people. At last, I drew my neglected Bible to me, plunged into it with full purpose of heart to get all there was for me. To do all that God told me to do. To believe all he said. Now listen, she was sick and dying. But she didn't just rush and go, I'm going to get in there and find healing scripture. She said, I plunged into it to see all that God had for me. All that God had for me. All that God told me to do and believe everything he said. And praise God, the insoluble problem was solved. The impossible was achieved. The deliverance was wrought. There is no trouble about it when God can get us to meet his conditions of repentance and faith. When God says faith, he means faith. It is well to know that. If anyone asks, by, by what special scripture verse I was healed? I feel as though I could almost say I was healed by the whole book. For it is there in Job, the oldest book of the Bible, that has a clear teaching on healing in the atonement as the word contains. Most of the time people say, what about Job? To explain why they're still sick. She looked in there and saw Jesus in the atonement in the book of Job. Chapter 33. 
(laughs) In Genesis, God made man as he wanted him, in his own image and likeness, even as to his physical being, free from every disability. You'll find healing in Exodus when the people of God marched out into Egypt. For Psalm 105, 37, we read that they marched out with not one feeble person among their tribes. Think of it. What a glorious procession. How did they do it? Through the wonder-working power of the blood of the Passover lamb. Read about it in Leviticus, in the leper cleansing ceremony, where the leper, when he had not a sound spot in his entire body, was healed by the blood of the bird slain over running water in an earthen vessel, which is the picture of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot unto God. In numbers, every recorded case of sickness is dealt with by supernatural means, prayer, sacrifice, and atonement. In Deuteronomy, God explicitly promised to take away all sickness from his obedient people. Suffice to say, I found a great number of healing passages in the Bible. (laughs) And when God's words were found, I ate them, and they did their work. They never fail. I knew I was healed, that I couldn't help being healed because God was faithful. And I almost lost interest in my symptoms. I was so certain of the truth. Come on, to dive in to such a degree that God's word is more true that you almost forget you even have symptoms. She talks about a process. Right there she quotes all the healing that she saw in the old covenant. And we live under a new and better covenant based on better promises. So we're just going to dive a little bit into the word and find our authority. If God said it, he'll do it. And we stand with the word of God in our hearts and in our mouth. It's a powerful place of authority. Why don't you stand up? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're dealing with every heart in life. You're teaching us even right now concerning our authority and the importance of your word. I thank you that that will continue. You'll continually bring it up in our memory throughout the week. As the enemy would try to create strategies, you continue to remind each one they have authority. Whether or not they fully understand right now that they will know, I have authority. I'll take a stand. I'll not yield to the enemy. Help each one of us, Holy Spirit, as we walk out our day-to-day life throughout this week to live and to operate in the authority that's been given to us. Stir each one to get into the Word of God. Stir each one to pray those prayers of Paul that you might begin to activate and reveal and give wisdom to each and every one. Father, we pray right now over these cloths. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed when he laid over that whipping post. By your stripes, healing was purchased by that precious blood. You poured out your life and you poured out the strength of your body that we might have health and healing. You took our infirmities. You bore our sicknesses. And we thank you for it. We pray over this cloth right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that both these will be saturated with the power of God. When they're brought to those who are sick, the sickness, the disease will leave their bodies. Recovery will take place until they're 100% whole. We declare it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and we thank you for it. 
we look to a good report in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you say this? We go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. Praise the Lord.